know. The playlist the supervisor. Playlist supervisor. Yeah, you can be the musical supervisor. Yeah. We'll put it on your CV. So if you want to do that, hit us up. Yeah, go We're ahead. taking applications. Yeah. Uh, Contextofsound at gmail.com. Yeah, pretty much all you need to know how to do is... Um, make a playlist. Make a playlist. Yeah, that's really just about it. That's about it. Yeah. So let us know. Um, um, trying to think what, what else, else has been going on. I don't know. <laughs> I've been just I'm been in the studio making my record, and so like haven't really seen a lot of people doing anything other than that. Yeah. But I've been watching Fargo. Mm, great which show. Is really great. I still I've only watched like the first four episodes of that show of season one. Oh yeah, I need mm. to get. I, I really enjoyed it, so I need to finish. It's kind that. of a slow burn, but it's so good. Yeah. And season two is just like incredible. <sighs> really great i've recently decided that i'm going to come out of like exile i've been like sitting at home basically all of the time so um expect uh expect look, expect me to like have to more things to talk streets. about than <laughs> than like oh i just got done reading this book about um lucid dreaming that's it oh is yeah. that what you're doing right now is that, <laughs> that was quite <laughs> the story's not to, even you actually had to, had to go had into to go a lucid deep. dream to, to recall what the book was. It, I was like what is that yeah it's i mean honestly it's not even worth telling the story it's just a book that was pretty shitty um anyhow so yeah, I'm not really really doing much else uh, besides that. Um, but I'm really really excited about today's episode. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. We. It's like a more of it's a more like substantial. Not that we haven't done substantial things or like really important things. Yeah. But, I mean, we like to do some sort of like trashy, fun, fancy free episodes. Yeah. And then some more like serious. Somewhat not serious, serious, but like. But like Intellectual, intellectual highbrow yeah, yeah. um bougie some bougie some <laughs> yeah. bougie ones yeah and this today we've picked sort of two people that are related in a lot of ways and they're um for you know real real educated music heads or for like new people, um, people that don't know them yeah um to it, like superstars of the jazz world to the greatest musicians of all time Definitely. Period. Of of yeah, of um, our time ish. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, they one of them was dead before I was born, True. and the other one was still still kicking. But yeah, yeah. no, I mean, both of them <laughs> wilding out. Wilding out still. <laughs> yeah. Um, today we're talking about Miles Davis and Bill Evans. Um, you know, as Sam said, like they are quite literally two of the greatest you know, jazz musicians, uh, that have ever existed, um, and, uh, really kind of made each other great. Um, definitely. Which is crazy yeah. because they only worked together, like specifically for, you know, a they, year for or a so. few years. Well, I think they, they had been working together, but then they reunited to yeah. do this record, which yeah. is like the biggest selling jazz album of all time and also just like one of the best albums one of the best albums changed music without a doubt changed jazz music like specifically but like music in general and i think in 2015 which as you may or may not know was just two years ago true it was the biggest selling vinyl of the the year. year yeah which i mean in the record so we're talking about the album kind of blue yeah and Which it's, is Miles Davis. Yeah, Miles Davis is uh, uh, 
what was that, 59, I think, that came out? Yeah, 1959. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I love that album. Obviously, it's, I mean, I think anyone that considers themselves to be uh, a fan of jazz uh, has heard this album. They have, um, it, it's it's kind of one of those things that's just kind of perfect. Um, it was like this just this transition, this like really like really beautiful transition in like the way in which jazz music was played, um, moving from like bebop into like a more like modal like jazz, which is kind of just signified by it being very kind of just sitting in a couple of couple of I guess I don't know what we'd call them, like scales almost. Yeah, a couple of well, sc- it's a Lydian scale, so yeah. it's like super nerdy. We're gonna get into like a bit of music theory, <laughs> yeah. which is not really what we do. No, not at all. But <laughs> we're not music theorists either. But it's it is kind of you have to because understanding like. Um, understanding like kind of the differences between you know like bebop and and modal jazz i mean it's pretty simple like you can get into like the musical theory stuff of of you know talking about what those exact scales are and Mm. where they sit at um but it's also just pretty easy i think to like break up the two and to say like you know bebop's just like always taking you on like a it's like taking you on this like fast journey you're like mm. changing uh it literally sounds like what it is yeah um but jazz just in general like i feel like there's a lot of i think a lot of young people are now being reintroduced or introduced to, to jazz, jazz. through the new jazz movement yeah. which is um, incredible that jazz is like yeah, having getting, such a big revival absolutely and people are introduced to it through maybe Kendrick Lamar's album with Kamasi Washington, Washington yeah. or Thundercat mm-hmm. or King or other like sort of new R&B-ish artists that are really yeah. And it's just yeah, it it's becoming far more I think popular amongst, you know, Cuz it's our exciting. Generation. Absolutely. Jazz is like it's such an exciting genre. Because it's, there's so much to learn and there's so much of it and the the complexities that come yeah. along with it are just it's it's a it's an endless like it's lesson. It's infinite, it's yeah. Infin- yeah, and it's always expanding and it's always growing. And also, I like to think of jazz as the most collaborative Without music a doubt. genre in the world ever. Without a doubt, because although like jazz in its like purest, the word jazz and where it comes from came from black people in New Orleans mm-hmm. in the twenties, it even in that form is like so heavily influenced by classical music yep. um like european sort of like marching yeah. music a west african music like it's just it's so it's a melting pot it's of such sounds. a melting pot yeah. of sounds and even jazz as it as it developed in america was one of the first things in which you saw black and white people playing together integrating yeah. and like collaborating yeah on this thing yeah and it's interesting though i mean uh especially when you get into start to talk the the conversation between miles and bill whom you know are two of the greatest um you know jazz musicians in general um when you think of like all of your greats that you can you know think of the louis the louis armstrongs charlie parkers duke ellington dizzy gillespie's people like that um and miles exactly i mean for sure too um, and really, you can definitely put Bill Evans in that category of just like Im- and how sort of influential they were. But yeah. you know, really, Bill is probably the only white guy that's like in that category, despite the yeah. fact that like from like a commercial success point, you know, like white guys were always kind of given that 
that sort of they had they had you know plenty of success in, yeah. in the in the exact genre. And the funny thing that like, their success is the reason why like Bill uh, and his connection with people like Miles uh, when they made Kind of Blue, uh, where he was kind of just like kind of looked down upon by the, by the fans. Uh, for being white, mm. despite you know, like the fact that you know, like white people have literally been a part of jazz since it started. However, yeah. it's trendsetters, the people who kind of def- made like define that sound, have always been black. Um, that contribution was somehow, you know, when you start having conversations, especially when you look at the lens of today, when people you know cry about cultural appropriation and different things like that, you know, <laughs> like putting this into a Miley Cyrus perspective or something yeah. like that. Um, Differences being, you know, when someone's actually making quality music, uh, yeah. and not, or is it like more? And of- also, the difference is w- that when people are actually really contributing something to a culture rather than like um, siphoning, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the reality about jazz is that white people have like played jazz for forever, yeah, yeah, damn near a hundred years. <laughs> like, <laughs> and my grandfather was a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. And was a trumpet player and played jazz his entire life. Died on stage playing the trumpet, like yeah. literally playing trumpet. Had a had a heart attack and that's crazy. And just I mean that's how I want to die. Not playing the trumpet, but, but like I would love to die on stage. You were so extra. You absolutely. <laughs> it's so extra. I mean, it so sure beats dying on the toilet. Absolutely, you don't want to do that. You don't no, want to do, do that. You do not want to do that. No, I mean, I think that's that's a problem. Like. Yeah, I mean that's that is a story that's echoed by so many people, um, and, but you know I think people are sensitive about it. I think a lot, especially you know when they when you look in the the lens of you know what happened with with bluegrass or, or rock yeah. and roll or whatever. Yeah. You know, like people become like like this is our this is our sound. You know, like this is something that we we built we created, which is which is true. But like, who owns music? You know, who yeah. owns sound? You know, like it's a reflection of all of us. Like we all lived in that space. We like, especially when you think of like, um, you know, New Orleans in the 1920s. Like, yes, it was like this very distinctly black sound. Mm. But you know, people who were invited to collaborate in it and and contribute to it uh, were of of all kinds of different you know like ethnicities and races. Yeah. Um, and really, when you look at um, kind of blue as a record uh, in the in the sort of timeline of jazz, uh, it definitely kind of marked a, a brand new period of time of, of, of music mm. uh, that was would not have been possible without Bill Evans and Miles Davis mm. like working together. Like yeah. he brought something to 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 Miles's sort of like sensibilities that he never that he hadn't really explored all that much. Yeah, um, which was basically a. Um, a very old scale mm-hmm. um, of music that I think historically, like the Greeks, yeah, kind used. of used, yeah. which is like the Lydian scale. I mean, it's like this is nerdy intellectual, like music theory <laughs> shit. But I think um, we take we take uh, music for granted and the sort of like the thought behind it and the theory and the intelligence mm-hmm. that it takes. Mm-hmm. See, that's why, uh, you know, like, that's the beautiful thing about jazz is that, like, when you when you understand, like, the, the mathematics yeah. of it all, it's, uh, it's crazy that you, that you realize that it took, like, like, 50 plus years for people to take it seriously. Yeah. You know, to, like, say, like, oh, shit, like, these, 
like these compositions are like this is genius level stuff. Yeah. Like the the way in which like people kind of revolutionize like the amount of movement that you can have in a single scale mm. in a song. And that's the beautiful thing about like modal jazz is that it was like you have like a finite amount of space to work in, but you have endless possibilities in that area. Yeah. Um, it is crazy how many chords you can make with 12 notes. Yep. You like in and you don't even have to be like a musician to understand that. Like yeah. you just like if somebody just tells you like, "Oh, this whole song is in two chords." Mm. And you like you're like, "What? Like what do you mean?" <laughs> you're just like I mean, there's about like a, a hundred dead mouse songs that literally don't even have one chord in them. <laughs> 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 okay, I want to play okay. I want to play one. So let's play some music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's um, just... But then I, w- I want to talk about um, so obviously kind kind of blue which we've touched on a little bit like why why it's so important mm-hmm. and oh, do you want me to disconnect from the yeah from the thing yeah. Um, and then I just want to talk a little I mean you you know Miles Davis like yes, I mean I I'm Miles. a big Miles Davis fan but you like have read the book <laughs> I the love cra- Miles. crazy fucking book Miles is like one of the most insane people that have ever existed <laughs> yeah. um, his he's Probably, like, one of the worst human beings I think I've ever... I'm fascinated by his entire life. He's a genius. Like He was kind of a piece of shit. He was a piece of shit until the day he died, yeah. and I respect the fuck out of it. Like, he's one of those... He was like Kanye before Kanye, and, yeah. like, out Kanye, Kanye being that. Like, he just... He knew he was a shit, and, he, like, <laughs> I don't know if, like, I was... So there's these, uh, really... So this guy named Leonard... Uh, fuck, what is his last name? He like that. You always did like these blind uh, listening tests, uh-huh. um, and essentially what it is is he would blindfold uh, a musician and play a record, and he'd have to they'd have to like guess who it was and what like who was like like what the song was and who and who was playing it. And when you read like the transcripts from like Miles's like tests, all he did was talk shit on absolutely every <laughs> single person. Like not a single song was like. That he said was like it was good. He would just like sit there and like pick at every single fucking thing that people did. Mm. Like he's one of those people. Sounds who like was, my granddad. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it was cool. Like I like his playing and I like his composition, but like it's not all that. Yeah. Like, like you can't even just say you enjoy it. It's all right for what it's it was. For what it was and all that. Yeah. <laughs> no. So he um. And Bill was also really troubled as a troubled was. guy and actually super tragic. Like his story. I knew that it kind of didn't end well, but as I was researching His life Bill Evans, it was just so devastating. I mean, they if they made a movie out of this, it would be like somebody would get all the awards. Yes, like, they would. They would, and I, and and somebody should. Somebody absolutely should. It's a, it's his story is it's unbelievably tragic. Yeah, and not even just like in like oh you died young. It's just like the the shit that he went through, mm. like from all sides to be like as unbelievably talented as he is and he worked quite often like it wasn't because like he had to he had to yeah, yeah. Um, um okay but let's 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 okay, not yes. so let's some get into music. one song yeah yeah do you want to so, play something from kind of blue yeah i want to open with this like studio sequence from uh it because it's super hilarious and it's also just kind of like a good introduction to start talking about the song because it's like this weird i feel like it's like a perfect kind of like uh very produced thing to to put in front like a oh, like we're like a legitimate podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> 6291 number 2 take one. Wait one minute <laughs> miles always sounded like a 
a frog. <laughs> <laughs> but smoked. He was like a Disney like <laughs> villain. <laughs> Start again, That sounds like Bill. Yeah. Watch the snare too. We're picking up some of the vibrations on it. Always the drama. <laughs> Drama's always fucking shit up. Not 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 all the other noises though. Take two. No, I just really like that. Wow. And that's the opening track that's of the, the album. That's the opening track of the album. And literally like Bill Evans starts the album. He starts it which out. is Miles Davis's album. Yeah. But it's like Bill, Bill like it's all from the, the go. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean like those two, like they definitely. I liked how you said they made each other better. They really did. They did. Um, it and I this there's a quote from Miles um, that I wrote down that I loved. He said, "I've sure learned a lot from Bill Evans. He played the piano the way it should be played." Honestly, which like, I completely I, I agree absolutely with. agree. I could listen to, in fact, I do. I, I listen to hours of Bill Evans. You because you can absolutely get lost in in anything he plays. Yeah, he he understood like simplicity on a piano like nobody else ever did, like before him. Like mm. he absolutely just had this this uh, understood like that like like where jazz was so much about like pretty much like shoving as much shit in. Uh, in a song as you could movement wise mm. he just realized that like allowing for like there to be more space in a song specifically like just uh, like i guess more like more like i guess obviously it's classical and structure you know like yeah. he obviously had way more of like a, a traditional kind he of was piano classically trained, trained yeah. background that i think a lot of people and gave WC him shit was for. a big yeah. uh, influence yeah um <clears throat> but i think you know and I think that's why Kind of Blue is such a successful and such a great album is because it is, there's so much space in it and it's so, you can just like put it on and just listen to it. It's, I mean, it's a class, yeah, no, but. <laughs> no, but like, with like, it's a, it never gets old. Like, it's yeah. an album that like I've been listening to my entire life, like my, literally my entire life. Yeah. And it has never, there's always something new to find in it. Uh, and it's it, like in general, you have this, this, um, um, like the the crew of people that he put that. I mean, like Coltrane, John Coltrane, who ended up, you know, obviously, yeah. like that was early in his career. Yeah. Um, he had released a couple of albums before then, obviously. Um, but yeah, you have he him, played sex on it. You've got was Cannonball Adderley also on there. Um, 
It was a sick uh, a sextet. Just um, the Jimmy I, Cobb mm-hmm. Paul uh, on drums, Paul Chambers on bass, mm-hmm. John Coltrane on sax for a lot of the record, and then Cannon, yeah, Julian Cannonball Adderley. and um, Bill Evans played piano on on the whole thing except for I think the last track, which was Wynton Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I guess the other the I I wanted to play. Um, another track from this uh, album first. Um, it's one of probably my favorite songs uh, besides um, uh, So What, which was just the one that I just played. Um, here, let's go with this. Yeah, so that mm. is Flamenco Sketches, uh, obviously off, off of Kind of Blue. Um, I don't People know. don't, I think, realize how hard it is to make the trumpet sound like that, to make it sound that good. Trumpet is like... It's a very difficult so instrument. So difficult, and it involves... My grandfather, like I said, was a trumpet player, played yeah. trumpet for like 70 years, had purple lips. Yeah. Like... He... <laughs> it, I, don't, I don't know, like it's... It's he makes it sound so effortless. He too, does, you know. Yeah. That's the craziest part. Is you hear these notes and you're just like, oh yeah. I mean that just must be so simple. Like no, he I just mean, push the buttons and pl- no, blow into it. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you know, kind of blue. Like you, like Sam was saying, it's um, it you know obviously changed changed jazz. That particular um, album was uh, the beginning of like a pretty. Uh, d- massive shift in the way in which Miles played music, obviously in the way in which um, Bill Evans also played music. But, I mean, I, w- I wonder, like, with regards to, like, what they were doing beforehand, um, you know, I think, especially, like, when you think about, like, Bill Evans, who, um, you know, I was, I was kind of reading up a bit, talking about kind of, you know, like, uh, the difference between those two and, and obviously, like, a big chunk of their their relationship was was surrounded by you know race uh and yeah. and how they were how they were perceived like by fans but also by critics mm. uh it's kind of it's kind of crazy I, w- I saw this I was reading this fact uh this article about um this earlier and it said you know in the 25 years between 1959 and 1985 the grammy for the best instrumental jazz recording went to a white artist 17 times bill won five of those uh and he won a total of seven grammys and was nominated 31 times in his lifetime 
John Coltrane received his first Grammy posthumously in 1982. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, ugh, look. It's, it's so, just, and, and this continues yeah, today. Yeah, it still continues. <laughs> but it's crazy because, yeah. like, you know, like, it, it, he's one of those people that's, like, a weird figure because it wasn't like he... he it wasn't like he was, was shitty. He it wasn't like he was Macklemore. He, yeah, exactly. Like, he knew... He knew his genre better than anybody. Like better than anybody. He was so good at his at his at his instrument. Yeah. He was a student of jazz. He was a student of music. Um, he also was like, um, you know, obviously fiercely protected by, you know, the people who worked with him. He was not a jazz like person, besides the fact, you know, like that he kinda had like obviously like I mean, obviously, like we didn't really talk about like Bill's like uh had like a very, very, very serious heroin addiction. Yeah. Throughout most of his like career. Yeah, and then cocaine towards the end. But um. But besides that, was like not your typical yeah. jazz music. But again, like the Grammys, it's like the 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 voting peer group or whatever. It's like largely older white people. Yeah. And I mean, that's that is crazy that John Coltrane didn't win a jazz Grammy or any not Grammy once. until like until he died. After he died. Yeah. I mean. That's, that is just it's bananas. Like, it's crazy. It's absolutely bananas. I mean, it's still insane that I mean, this is like a different kind of musical um, operating system and world. But like the fact that Beyonce's never won like album of the year. Yeah, that's the same. It's, it's the like, exact same. Yeah, and it, so it's one of those things. That, and Taylor like, Swift has like twice. Yeah. For what exactly? I mean, Taylor Swift is no Bill Evans. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can compare you can this. Quote me on you that. can quote me on that one. <laughs> oh God! So I mean, yeah, but they were. But the thing about these two, like Miles and Bill, like they were both just like, but incredible. Yeah. But I want to hear about Miles, um, crazy ass. <laughs> So I mean, I like, just kind of always assumed he had drug problems. Oh, Miles was because, the guy who like did all of the drugs, right. All of the time, he was one of those people whom, when you read his uh, autobiography called Miles by Miles Davis, he co-wrote mm-hmm. it, uh, which I like. I say is like required reading for everyone. I have to read this simply because like, you just get you get this idea of this man who like believed in himself more than anything in the entire world, and. Um, was, like, painfully aware of how talented he was and and making sure that everyone knew it. He also just didn't seem to be, like, a good person. So it's, like, how do you reconcile... He was Captain Slapaho. Yeah. How do you reconcile, like, someone who's so shitty, like, so shitty, but immensely talented? Um, I think we all, like... (laughs) I'm trying to think who else, like, falls into that category. Honestly, because that's the thing, like, you can say what you want about, you know, like, Miles Davis as a person, like, you can't deny his talent. Mm -mm. There are plenty of other incredibly famous people, incredibly, like, huge assholes that you could probably be questioned, like, question, like, their, their musical abilities, you know, like, I think that the next closest person to, like, Miles would be, like, a John Lennon type, Mm. whom, like, was historically also just a big piece of shit, Mm. but, you know, is was a very, very talented person. So you, like, kind of abandon that that sense of, uh, <laughs> of uh, I don't know, like, you kind of allow it to happen or to continue to happen. I don't know, like, you just read through it and he just doesn't say a single nice thing about anybody. Yeah. Um, he, but I think it's also, too, just because he... 
<laughs> I gotta read this book. He doesn't. I mean, I can't. Like, I can't. I, I, I feel like I should. Let me pull up a couple. I wrote down some quotes from it. Um, okay, so this is one of the the early ones from the. Okay, I remember one time. It might have been a couple times at the Fillmore East in 1970. I was open for this sorry ass cat named Steve Miller. Steve Miller didn't have a sh- didn't have shit going for him, so I'm pissed because I got to open for this non-playing motherfucker just because I had one or two sorry ass records out, just because he had one or two sorry ass records out. So I would come late and he would have to go on first, and then we got there and smoked the motherfucking place. Everybody dug it. Like, and the when was what year was that? This was in 1970. In 1970, like Miles was like opening for Steve Miller. Um, that's what he said. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the fuck? Yeah. Like Steve, Steve Miller, Miller band? band. <laughs> wow. But he spends the whole, and the fun, the best part about the book is I'd be pissed too. Absolutely. If I was Miles Davis and yeah, I was opening but it's for also it. one of those things that like no one would just like say and be like, I'm gonna, you can fucking cut and print and publish that shit right there. But no, he just sat there. But he has all the receipts yep. to back it. I mean, he, he, yeah. <laughs> uh, where's another one? Um, <laughs> also early because this is pretty much echoed was his sort of fierce protection of of uh, of of music uh, or jazz music as a black sound mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of time a lot of his defensiveness about his about his shit was simply because he was fighting for like what he felt was like what belonged to him mm-hmm. which is funny because if you think about you know his work with, uh, with Bill mm-hmm. obviously those two just they made each other better but you know like he would also say sit like you know i hate how white people always try to take credit for something after they discover it like it wasn't happening before they found out about it which most times is always late and then they didn't have (laughs) nothing to do with it happening um i mean but that is actually true (laughs) i mean in so many ways like you look at like an article on like vogue magazine about how box braids are like amazing and new and like everyone mm-hmm. needs them it's like mm, really like that's a you guys have just now figured that out okay yeah or yeah um yeah so besides that like i guess more specifically i like to talk about the the rest of um kind of blue and like what the result of that that album was um hang on what did i want to say um did you have any songs you wanted to play from that um yeah actually also i think it'd be great to just talk about a couple more like non like kind of blue uh well i really want to go into like a quick um kind of like very like sort of quick overview history of Bill Evans, but yeah. I mean I don't know if you wanna. Should I just kind of do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I really want to hear some more like Miles about Davis Miles. stories. <laughs> but um, but just wanna okay. So like a quick overview of Kind of Blue in terms of like its um, its relevance and its impact. This is pretty much just like from Wikipedia, but for anybody that's not familiar with the record, um, it's been regarded by many critics as jazz's greatest record. Um, it's Dave, Miles Davis' masterpiece, one of the best albums of all time. It's influenced classical jazz rock um, 
In 2002, it was chosen by the Library of Congress to be added to the National Recording Registry. 2003, it was ranked number 12 on Rolling Stone magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. It sold 4 million copies in the United States. It's the only jazz album to sell Jeez. that many copies. Yeah. That's um, a shit ton of albums. <laughs> yeah. And like, you'll pretty much find, I mean, everyone I know that has like a vinyl collection pretty much has that. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, so, and like you touched on the, the record was, um, was different and unique because it was part of like the modality, mm-hmm. um, like jazz movement, yeah. which wouldn't be, res- um, which wouldn't have happened without George Russell. So I want to kind of touch on George Russell a little bit. In 1953, pianist George Russell published the Lydian chromatic concept of tonal organization. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, this is nerdy, but super nerdy. <laughs> this is okay. So I want to play like, this is, this is a normal C major scale. Okay. These are the notes in it. C. D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And then the Lydian scale is weird because it's got, well, it's got an F sharp instead of a regular F. Mm. Mm. Saucy. Velvety, yeah. (laughs) That's what changed it. Yeah, that's what changed it. Um, And... George, but doesn't that doesn't the Indian scale start with an F though? It starts with Something an F. Yeah. yeah, it starts with an F sharp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why are we talking? <laughs> because we're music we're, lessons. We're like we're learning. Yeah, and we're and we're teaching the people. But um, so George actually taught Bill. Or Bill was a student of George's. Mm-hmm. Um, George um, was from Cincinnati, Ohio. His um, his mother was black and his father was white. He is considered one of um, the first jazz musicians to contribute to general music theory. Um, but so Bill was a student of his. Bill came from New Jersey and he um, studied music in Louisiana mm. and then later moved back to New York City where he started playing in trios and stuff. And that's when he. Around that time was when he started playing with um, with Miles. And then he kind of broke off and wanted to do his own thing. But then Miles brought him back in 1958 when they recorded mm-hmm. um, Kind of Blue. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to just play some of the things from his own catalog. Um, okay, so in 1959, after after Kinda Blue, Bill left the Miles Davis band and started his own trio with a guy called Scott LaFaro on bass and um, Paul Motion, or Mo- Motian. Um, and they were like a seminal modern jazz trio. And they recorded two albums that are like pretty classic in one day at the Village Vanguard in New York, which I've actually been to. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool jazz club. Um, this is a great record. Live from the Village Van Vanguard. Yes. Yeah, it's a great record. It's one of my. Uh, is that where he did? Yes, he because he performed. Did he perform "I Love You, Porgy" on the Village Vanguard record? He did. Yes. Yeah. Ugh, um, that is. 
one of my favorite jazz recordings. Which I didn't, which I didn't pick as one of the ones I was gonna play because it's not like his composition. It's not his composition, but yeah. it's his arrangement, and it's fucking seriously great. Um, but Waltz for Debbie was one of the things. Waltz for that Debbie, he, yeah, classic. And he was, like, high on heroin this whole time, by the way. The whole fucking yeah, time. Yeah, kind of in the late 50s, he started doing heroin. And had, like, a Like, a lot of jazz serious, musicians did. Yeah, yeah, but he had, like, a very serious, serious, serious heroin. For decades. Yeah. There's some stories of, like, him... Uh, uh, there was one of him, like, shooting up, and he, like, hit a nerve. And, oh, like, yeah, ended and he up could playing, only play with one hand. play one hand and yeah. did it. And he did it. <laughs> And they were saying that that was kind of the difference between him and Chet Baker. Yeah. And a lot of, and Chet Baker also a white jazz player who was like extremely, extremely like addicted to drugs. Yeah. And also, but like really good. Really good. Very, yeah, very and, good. And respected by like jazz cats. Yeah. But he, they were saying that Bill was different because he, he was still like fi- high functioning. Like he didn't let his drug problem. Um, impede yeah. his. You would. Like, you would, would never. Up. You would never know. Yeah. Like you would never know that he was. Like that was. That's the crazy. Yeah. Definitely. He's not like the image of like a junkie. Yeah. When he's like this conservative. I mean, until like the seventies, he started to look a little crazy. Yeah. But he he, he had like a mustache. <laughs> but and he just long, looked long like hair. yeah. He looked like a really like, like a nerd. Nor- normal nerdy guy. He like, looked like thick Marty McFly. <laughs> he did look like actually looks no, like, like Marty McFly. Not Marty. Dad. Um, George McFly. He George McFly. More like George McFly. <laughs> he looks exactly like George. McFly, a hundred percent. Oh, he He's a hundred percent George McFly. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, for sure. So after they recorded that record, um, Lafaro, the bass player, died in a car accident. Which is like, of course, he died in a car accident because everybody died in a car accident or a plane accident or just wasn't transit wasn't overdose. safe in the fifties. It wasn't. Nope, just couldn't do it. S- Seatbelts. Could, I, mean, I don't the, think anyone wore a seatbelt. Were there a lot of train accidents around then? I think that might have still been like the safest, like train trains. I mean, it seems like there weren't any like major train deaths in the music world that I know of. Not that I know <laughs> of. We have to Google that. If you guys know but, of any major train like, deaths in the world, car, people didn't wear seatbelts. They, they were weren't probably, required. Also, they were probably all really fucked up. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder Smoking, what that drinking was. Smoking, whiskey. Yeah. And, they're like, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean... I thought... Yeah. I thought heroin was good for you. <laughs> Here I was thinking I could just play and like just keep playing and just <laughs> had all these wondrous moments. Yeah. It's crazy how... I mean, I don't... I wonder if like people like really thought... Because I mean, I know like there's a story... The story that they have around Bill Evans and why he started um, doing heroin was because one of the people in Miles's band actually gave him heroin because he was like rushing on all the songs they're like wow. hey you wanted to give you something like you can just try this and it'll like kind of chill you like out like you're playing like a little too like white you're a little, yeah like just like settle down <laughs> like you need to like just chill out a little chill bit chill the fuck out yeah and he's like what do you mean what do you mean I'm playing a little white <laughs> <laughs> fellas <laughs> um, but I mean jazz and heroin was like 
Like two peas in a pod. Two peas in a motherfucking pod. It was. I mean, you weren't like a proper jazz musician in the 50s, the 40s and 50s if you weren't like doing heroin. Yeah. I think they were just like, you kind of had to do it. And maybe that's like, I don't know. It's unfortunate and it's probably, it's not obviously anything to like laugh about with regard to like um, Bill Evans' life because he struggled with it like for the rest of his life pretty much. Yeah. Um, But as a like, I, I wonder how much of like, the music specifically like that album um that they worked on together like was it just like this haze of chemicals that put that together which which album kind, kind of blue, blue. I, it, I mean it doesn't seem it doesn't like it because like it's it. so precise and it's yeah. so like it's it's just it's so on yeah because i know like from another thing that i that i've read just re- about the re- recording of that album was that like most of it was already kind of figured out and then miles was like yeah. hey they kind i of want you to come play like, on this uh, album i'm really excited about this material that i've worked that i've put out put together but you know obviously like because jazz is such a conversational like uh genre specifically like um you might like go into it thinking it's going to be this one thing but it's all pretty improvisational and yeah. like you can probably say it's more like impressionistic than it is anything else because it's just like here's what we're thinking like uh here's what i think this we have this like loose framework here that we can work in and like i'm going to give you kind of these little these little bits and you're going to react to it mm. um and this one i mean like the kind of shift in kind of like where 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 like bebop was being more like we're going to like go as fast as we can. Cause it was about, I think really for the most part for, for most musicians was like, I can keep up. Mm. Like that's all it was about. Like, yeah, yeah. We go really hard. We go really fast and we go all over the place and shit yeah. might not sound. And you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen next, yeah. but you just have to be quick and you have to be on your feet. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the switch was just like, everyone just needs to be like in sync, like, where it's like not necessarily where you're just kind of like all kind of staying together, but you just like you were just anticipating exactly what's going to happen mm. because you have like a finite amount of space to move in. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I guess I can talk a little bit more about. I feel like we have to do a handful of episodes on Miles because like Miles Davis is one of those like one of the most prolific prolific musicians of, and of had all so time. many different phases so many. too. i mean like when he went into like fusion and yeah. like more experimental he, he the crazy thing is is like he abandoned this sound and was like all the time that's over that's i'm over. done with like modality is dead yeah. and like i'm doing something new yeah they say that you whereas know, bill didn't really yeah. do that well i mean like that and that's the reason why bill is great is because he perfected his sound his um, thing his thing like was his thing but should i just like keep going into like bill's like just sort of get to the end of his thing, yeah. his life. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take that long to be, to be honest. No. <laughs> oh, so, so his bass player died in a car accident, and then he he had a new trio with, um, I think his name was Eddie Gomez, um, and they recorded like a lot of albums. They were together for like eleven years, and one of the breakouts of that was live at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Another rock song. Another album. great album. This is called Walking Up. I mean, there's so much Bill Evans stuff. Um, I recommend, like, everybody digs Bill Evans. His live remaster shit. Uh, Get into it. 
Oh, another thing, I wanted to play Conversations with Myself. Yes. Because this game, this album was a game changer because no one had really ever done like overdubbing with themselves. Yeah. And when I first heard this, I didn't, I was like, how many fingers does this guy have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how is this possible? No, Conversations with Myself. Yeah, it was like the first album of somebody like playing, like just overdubbing himself on the piano. And yeah. He's like playing with himself. Shaka daka daka. I mean, if you have a paper to write or whatever and you want to be smart, like just put some Bill Evans on and like Honestly, clean the house or whatever. Nothing makes you feel more grown than Nothing like, makes me feel more grown than putting some Bill Evans on. Bill Evans on, on like a on like a like a night. Getting like, out my manicure set. Mm-hmm, putting on a pair of like <laughs> linen pants. <laughs> You're like, yeah. <clears throat> you know? So <laughs> exactly. Honestly. Um, get into it. So Bill um, you know, he went, he worked constantly. He made so many albums and he, and he kind of kept, he had to keep working because he never really made any money. No, no, he um, didn't. And he always spent his money on drugs. Yeah. Um, he was, he was married to a woman for a long time. Um, I think, what was her name? Um, Elaine. I didn't think they were ever married. Or maybe they weren't married. Yeah, they were just like together. So they forever. were together for yeah. a long time. And, she couldn't have kids, and so he met another woman called Nanette Zazara. Oh, Nanette Zazara. And if I, to be honest, if I met somebody called Nanette Zazara, I might, I might. I'd probably hit it too. <laughs> she was twenty-eight <laughs> years younger than him, I think. Then definitely. Um, and so Bill left Elaine because she couldn't have kids, and he wanted to have a kid. And she committed suicide shortly Jesus. after that and threw herself threw herself under a subway. God damn. That's like, ugh. That's inconvenient for everybody. That's really <laughs> awful that I just said that. Oh my God. Wow. I mean, what a terrible way to do it. Too, yeah, you know? that's pretty grim. Yeah. Um, so then he ended up being with uh, Nanette and they had a, a kid called Evan. Evan <laughs> Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they had a hit. <laughs> oh god they had a kid called evan evans that's terrible come on now you know I lived, when i was a kid i lived across the street from this guy named willie williams <laughs> that's rude and i just was like that's come on now you guys that's just lazy yeah that's so lazy it's not cute. evan evans <sighs> okay um so and then he started to sort of try and get clean off heroin and he was on methadone and um he married Nanette. Uh, then he had it was it's just such a tragic life. And his, his brother was schizophrenic. He was really really close with his brother, and mm. then his brother committed suicide um, in the seventies. Yeah, Jesus. And he just kind of never really recovered from that. And then he started. He got into cocaine. He kind of. It's was, kind of funny that somebody like. I mean, was cocaine like new? People or have something? done that before. Just, like, I feel um, like you'd start Courtney Love, like, was really she was a big heroin addict, and then she got clean from heroin, and then, and then became cocaine. like a huge cokehead. That's. I feel like you it would progress the other way naturally. I don't know if that's natural, but like, I guess in your intensities, you're just like, oh, I guess maybe you can excuse it as being less hard. They're or just something. like different things. Yeah, I know it's completely different, like reactions in your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny because, like, one's kind of more of, like, obviously, like, 
chills, like it mellows you the fuck out. Yeah. Whereas the other one just like, uh, you know, so like. I think maybe just seems the like a pain weird... of like once you've sort of weaned off heroin and gone through that like uncom, which I've never, I don't not like don't personally yeah. experienced in this, but yeah, just seems like it'd be super painful. Absolutely, everything I hear of it just means it, like, like it sounds your horrible. body's like fighting. And you he on talked it. about that too. I wish um there was yeah. a quote about that where he was saying like, you know, you have no idea what it feels like to sort of you know, have to go out and chase that. Um, oh, wait, here. Uh, no. Wait, this is a quote from somebody that he knew, Mark Johnson. This fateful trip marks the beginning of the end. This is when his brother died and he went back to um, Jersey. Bill's willingness to play and work decreased noticeably after the death of Harry. Actually, it was just the music itself that held him upright. He fulfilled his obligations because he needed money, but these were the few moments in his life when he felt comfortable. The times in between must have been depressing, and he barely showed a willingness to live. And so he started doing cocaine, and he was doing like a gram a week, and Mm. then he was doing several grams a day, which is like an unbelievable amount of shitload of cocaine. Yeah, that's just like that's that's a full time job's worth of cocaine consumption. Jeez, yeah, I mean. To like, uh, so funny story, uh, not funny story at all, actually, but there's a quote um, from Miles, uh, Miles is, uh, Miles by Miles Davis, which he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a fashion line. <laughs> Miles. <laughs> no, or Mark like, Jacobs for Mark Jacobs. No, Mark it's, Jacobs. Like a, it's like Mark a, it's, by Mark Jacobs for Mark Jacobs. I think it's like a, it's a fragrance. It's like Miles by Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> These have always brought me luck. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh my god <laughs> that's right i just quoted elizabeth Liz taylor. taylor lizzie oh gosh i need to make a meme out of that <laughs> or like a gif because I, I just found out this there's this great hack that you can like add gif to the front of any youtube video like url just type in like gif right in front of where it says youtube and it turns into this like automatic gif gif maker what? Yeah, it's changed my my entire life. It now takes me like fifteen minutes to respond to anybody's text. It's probably because I'm making. And a can gift, you a just gift. like pick a you segment can, of the you video? Can pick a segment of the video. You can add subtitles. You can like loop it. You can so do wait. You go you to hang on. I'm doing this right now. So go find like a go find like a Belegdo. Wow, this video. is re- <laughs> <laughs> this is a real fucking tangent right now. <laughs> Belegda. Okay. Belegda. <laughs> So if I put this in and then just put GIF in front, like G-I-F, in front of the, the URL. In front of the ho- oh. <laughs> you have to play it. Wow. awful. But you put like GIF in front of it. In front of the HTTP. No, 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 in front of where it says YouTube, just like after the www dot. And then it like has this real like snazzy UI. And you can like do all kinds of shit. <coughs> you can even pick like the different like fonts for your subtitles and shit. Wow, this is It's a game changer. Thank you. And it works on your it works on mobile too. So like get into it. Um anyways, so okay, wow. why was I even telling that story? I don't even I have no idea. Where where are we? <laughs> what are we talking on? about? We were talking about drug addiction. Oh, drug addiction. Oh, yes. Yeah. So okay. you had a funny story so a about f- drug addiction. <laughs> that was where that was where we started. So, a, so anyways, oh, because we were talking about when I made my white diamonds gif. Uh, 
I don't even know why we got into that tangent. Anyhow, back to Miles by Miles Davis. Um, Miles says, um, when he's kind of talking about the sort of uh, heavy use of heroin uh, during, you know, his kind of early to mid-career points, and he says, there was a lot of dope around the music scene, and a lot of musicians were deep into drug, especially heroin. Especially heroin. Um, people, musicians, were considered hip in some circles if they shot smack. Some of the younger guys, like Dexter Gordon, Art Blakely, J.J. Johnson, Sonny Rollins, Jack McLean, and myself, all of us, started getting heavily into heroin around the same time. Despite the fact that Freddie Webster had died from some bad stuff, besides Bird, Sonny Stitt, Bud Powell, Fats Navarro, Gene Ammons, we were all using heroin, not to mention Joe Guy and Billie Holiday, too. There were a lot of white musicians, Stan Getz, Jerry Mulligan, Red, like Red, Rondy, Red, Red Rodney, uh, and Chet Baker, who were all heavily into shooting drugs. So, I mean, he obviously liked to call it literally everybody out, mm. um, but it does kind of show you, like, these are all, like, very, very big names in jazz uh, throughout the 30s to the 70s, pretty much, and uh, they all kind of, that was that was a choice. just spilling everybody's choice. business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Miles himself too had like a pretty serious, um, pretty serious uh, like drug addiction himself to heroin as well. There's a really interesting story that in like 1950, like Miles and um, Charlie Parker, Art Blakely, and, and um, were in LA at the end of a tour, and on the way to the airport, Art Blakely decided to stop off and get some drugs from somebody new. After they got the drugs, they were followed to the airport by the police and got busted. And then Miles Davis's father, uh, he called his dad from the jail who contacted his family uh, and sent like his lawyer to come and get him out. And like that was kind of when everyone found out that he was uh, doing drugs and like he got banned from a lot of clubs as a result. Um, so um, that was kind of like the the beginning of like and that happened like in the mid 50s. Wow. Um, where he got like kind of exposed by downbeat as like a drug addict and then like, people were, like they didn't want him to play. Uh, he was obviously. Is heavy. that why he ended up opening for Steve Miller? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I wonder can't let when that he. Go. I wonder when I he was like how go. like what year? It was 1970 in the 70s. It makes he, no oh, sense. I don't know. I like you just you have made well. Like, I don't know because it, it might make a little bit of sense just because I think Miles Davis had and Steve was really he, big. He at was that very point. big. Yeah, and Miles had a lot of kind of like ebbs and flows in his, uh, in his. Uh, in his, like, career. Like, all the best. All the best. But, like, in the 70s, he didn't really kind of, like... Until Bitches Brew came around... Yeah, like, that's true. He was just kind of in a lull in this period. Yeah. Um, what year was Bitches Brew? Like, 73, 70? Something like that. Let me pull, look that up. Bitches Brew is also has the, the honor of being the first album I bought with my own money. Ooh! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, mine, was, was, mine was TLC, <laughs> ooh, on the TLC tip. So... <laughs> I guess I was, you win. No, it was because I just thought I was being cool. I was. It was like a summer. You were being cool. Uh, I was like twelve or thirteen, I want to say, and I was working at my uncle's. Uh, he had owned this like shoe repair shop, and there was like this record store across the street. And I like walked over there one day because I thought I was like a cool hip teenager or something like that. <laughs> and I went and like was browsing all these cool hip records, and I saw this, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a salacious title." And like I knew Miles Davis obviously, but I'd never like heard you that bought it because it said bitches. Because it said bitches on it, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm like I'm like a cool hip, emotionally affected teenager. I, I'm gonna listen to this." And it was like. A fucking journey to get through. Yeah, um, it's not an easy album to listen to. No, it's, it's not. I mean, it's like kind of the opposite of Kind of Blue in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, I tried to put it on at a dinner party, and it was just like, mm, <laughs> this is 
It's no, jarring. It's not the journey <laughs> for this dinner party. No, it's like three 20-minute songs that um, are essentially like... Pretty hectic. They, yeah, and they're unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's a great record. It's a great record. It's one of my favorites. It turned into just after like after like repeated listenings that uh, you kind of... Once it clicks in your brain, like you get it and you're just like, holy shit, this is fucking phenomenal. And then you get in. Kamasi Washington is like that too, in yeah. a lot of ways. Like some some of the songs are really mellow on that on his stuff, but then yeah. if you put that on at a dinner party, at some points you're like, it's distracting. This is fucking crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like a, it's a it is a commitment. Sometimes yeah. you're just like, okay, like, I can't hear myself think. Nope, because <laughs> it <laughs> takes up all the, point. the space. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how long have we been talking about this. Um, we? We're like at an appropriate amount of okay, time. Good. Um, because I can keep going. Do you want to play any more? Well, I wanted to play one more thing, and maybe this is like kind of unfair to Bill, but towards the end, Bill, did we talk about? Did I talk about how he died? No, we didn't. Well, he died. Um, he died in nineteen eighty. Um, of he had like untreated hepatitis, like liver failure. Jesus. Like all sorts of shit. I mean, and, and he'd been doing like several grams of cocaine every day for a while. And the fact that he got through like the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, he was like fifty yeah. or fifty-one or fifty-two, something like that, when he died. He was very and, young when he died. Yeah, he was like fifty-one, something like that. Yeah. But still, like, I mean, he lived a hard life, and he weirdly did. enough, because like you look at him and you think he's like this very kind of normal guy who probably like went home and read time magazine and drank like earl gray tea or something like that yeah. but he was like in some shit i think it was probably a combination of obviously like him kind of struggling for acceptance amongst his peers because i know like like for instance like john coltrane like working with him uh like john coltrane was known to hate white people like yeah. in general like got yeah. a little bit better but like and like if you can think about like this person whom like just despised any white person touching jazz music mm. working with you as a white man in on the same record a record which would be would go down as like one like the seminal like like master class in like jazz music mm. uh that's probably got to be like a little like like sting a little bit to him, but also like to to his credit, you know, he's a part of this sound, but also isn't given like the. It's like it's like Amy Winehouse. I'm um, using um, uh, Salam Remy. Yeah, and like um, Lauren Hill having to watch like Salam Remy produce Amy Winehouse. Yep. <laughs> or is it not? I don't. I just remember those rumors about like how much Lauren Hill hated white people. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember those? Like, yeah. where she apparently allegedly said, said, "I'd rather have my own children die than have any white people by my own. yeah." <laughs> I love like the Which, the rumors of the late nineties. Oh, that was a great that rumor. Was a good one. Was that ever substantiated? I don't or think so. Yeah, or, no. I think neither. Yeah, neither substantiated gonna, yeah. nor disproven. <laughs> It's just it still exists in Rumerville. Let's <laughs> never figure it out. Maybe that'll be an episode we'll do called entitled "Does Lauren Hill Hate White People?" <laughs> Everybody call in. It's gonna be our first really produced episode. We'll have like expert witnesses, like interview clips. We'll have somebody. Like, I know she hates white people. Music. Time. <laughs> That's so much shade. No. <laughs> <sighs> 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 
that's awful. Send your email. You know, once... Send your complaint emails to <laughs> at context of sound. The first time I saw Lauren Hill, uh, she was three and a half hours uh, behind schedule. <laughs> of she was, and I. I was I fully expected it. I was like, yeah, like without a doubt. I was. Like, I mean, I did you actually show up on time? I actually did. Mm. I don't even know why. I was. I mean, that's kind of on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's my own fault. It's my own fault. I uh, just wanted not no out of no disrespect, but I just wanted to play like towards the end. He did this weird like Tony Bennett album. Bill Evans. Did. Yeah, it's not like a highlight, but. No, it's not. I don't really get Tony Bennett. <sighs> he was like the Kmart. Like he's Frank like Sinatra. white people. Like he's the reason why white people. He's peak. Wait, wait. He's peak mediocrity. Like without a doubt. I mean, like. Yeah. I think he's just like relevant because he's, he's just been around for so long. I guess like Italians love him. I'm not even going to play this. It makes me upset. But Bill sounded great. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, it's because, yeah, that we, they have a weird uh, waltz with uh, Diana fucking cover that he put words to. It's just yes. like awful. Uh, d- uh, waltz for Debbie. Waltz for Debbie. Yeah. yeah. Not Diana. Waltz for Debbie. Like yeah. That. It's an awful, yeah. awful it version never... of it. Should never be listened to. I think he must have really needed the money. That's Shit. only, that's, he, 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 he must have really needed, needed the money. He must have needed the money. There was always a paycheck for for Bill. Yeah. Um, uh, let me think. I think there's one more. Ch- I mean, there's just so much you could say about Miles. That's why I just don't even want to get into it. I think there's a few more episodes of just like talking about Miles. I'd like because I'd love to talk about his electric years. Yeah. Um, but I I guess I just wanted to stick it to like the specific like kind of blue ish era, and um, uh, there's another song. Off kind that, of blue. No, no, not off kind of blue. It's gonna. It's from Milestones, which is a an album he had before, right before them, which is kind of his first foray into uh, modal jazz. Mm. Um, it's uh, Milestones is a fucking phenomenal, phenomenal record. It's like classy as fuck. Um, he was like, I don't know, like right around like the the late fifties. Uh, for Miles Davis, uh, he had obviously been around for a minute. He had been playing with uh, uh, Thelonious Monk and uh, Gil Gil um, um, Ev- Gil, uh, Evans. Gil, Gil Evans yeah. and the Gil Evans Orchestra. Yeah. Um, and uh, he'd been around for a while. Um, jazz had kind of fallen off as like the hip sound yeah. because that's like right when rock and roll kind of started yeah. started um, taking hold. But like. Milestones was like the big, like kind of, and really more so specifically with Kind of Blue, but like Milestones was like the beginning of like this birth of like cool again in jazz. Mm. And definitely like Miles Didn't was they call it like cool jazz? The new cool. Yeah, or the something. new cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like they were like the hippest like fucking dudes. Like they were the guys that everybody wanted, everybody in the hood wanted to dress like. Um, they were the ones that everyone was listening to that like all the gossip about like him and his band and everything like that. They were everywhere. Mm. Um, but uh, Milestones, which is not only just, in my opinion, like the dopest fucking name for a record. Um, but he has this track called Milestones. It's a title track. It was originally called Miles. Um, it was a big hit, but it's also kind of his first experiment in modality. Uh, it's actually only two uh, modes the entire song. Mm. Uh, Cause like most of the ones in like 
kind of blew, I think we're like, and I'm probably totally wrong on this, but between like three and five. Mm. But this one was like even smaller, but still pretty upbeat. It's not as like kind of slow as as uh, kind of blue is, which is kind of like what made it so like, you know, that kind of shit that you sit there and like listen to. It was like restrained. It was restrained, classy and like really like subtle. Yeah. Milestones was a little bit more in line with like his earlier shit, just like really tight, mm. but still like pretty structured. Yes. This is a this is a tri- is this a trio album? Uh no, this is like mm. Is it John? Is it Coltrane? Is this a trio album? As clearly, there's at least five instruments playing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's Milestones. Um, It's uh, one of my favorite uh, Miles tracks by far. Um, But also, just uh, kind of like, is that beginning of that, like like I said, that really small kind of like structured path that, like, Mm. that. that kind of blue would be built off of and really perfect eventually. Um, can I, should I play another song from kind of blue? Why not? Might as well. Um, this is the other one that I really, really like. Um, yeah, it just kind of speaks for itself. It's called All Blues. Mm. There's only like five There's songs five, on this yeah, album, right? Yeah, it's very right? short. It's very short. This but is a probably the most. a couple of them are like 10 minutes-ish. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's all you get. It's a little taste. Yeah, so there you go. That's um, that's all blues. It's a, uh, it's super chill. I mean, like I, I I can't impress upon you guys enough. Like, kind of blue is the shit. Like it's just yeah. it's a really good album. Um, and even for I think there's a lot of people who still kind of struggle with with jazz. Um, I think it it I think presents a challenge. I think it to terrifies people. a lot of people, and it um, also I think a lot of people have a really not right now leave me alone a lot of people I mean 
you know, there's that scene in like La La Land where she's like, um, I don't really like know like jazz. Like yeah. it's like what's it's like Kenny G, right? Yeah. Like people think of it as like this sort of not very Dennis cool, yeah. really lame. And actually, in fact, it's like the cool. It's I think it's the like coolest. the coolest. It's always been cool. It's, like, it's where never all not the cool, cool people. Yeah. When it's where they came from. It's what they listened to. Yeah. Like it's your faves fave. It's your faves fave. <laughs> I mean, like anyone, like anyone that like. Like there would be no tribe called Quest without be, like kind of blue. Of in there general. would be no Erica Badu without None kind of, of blue. Like they would just start with this album yeah. and like get sophisticated. Yeah. How how much of like like Jay Dilla would be possible without jazz? You know, like which yeah. is like the foundation of what so many people look at like hip hop now or like neo soul and different things like that. Like we have. Yeah. We we are owed so much uh, culturally to this genre, um, and I think it's also like really the first American art form. Purely, absolutely, yeah. it's the most it's the it's the most like refined for sure. It's the one that we've really paid the most attention and care to, despite the fact that like I think a lot of times it continues to be kind of like. Uh, it struggles. I think, you know, I'm what I'm really excited about, like this current kind of like jazz renaissance that we're in with the, you know, like people like um like like uh Kamasi Washington or you have, you know, like Miguel Atwood Ferguson and different people like yeah. that that are still making phenomenal music and uh pushing, you know, the genre forward and and and, and reviving the interest and the sort of the attention uh, in these particular types of of of, of genres. Um I think that like kind of blue is a good record for people that are looking to just kind of get into um get into to jazz. Yeah. It's a it's a beautiful introduction into like where where it came from and where it went. Um besides the fact that, you know, like it's a good place to start with Miles, it's a great thing to start with Cannibal Adderley, with John mm. Coltrane, with Bill cuz these are those are four like giants Huge. in in the yeah. genre, and they literally played with everybody, like whoever mattered in jazz during their time. Yeah, you know, from Charlie Parker all the way down to Chick Corea and John McLaughlin and all these other kind of people, whom you know, obviously still, I mean, they they made jazz and jazz fusion and and electronic music kind of what it like what it became. They're responsible for that, um, and it's it's. Uh, it's something to say when you can like really kind of start at the beginning of something that mm. that kind of blue was, and see what it turned into. Because uh, like those dudes like went on to change the fucking game. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's kind of blue. Yeah. Miles and Bill. Miles and Bill. That was a good episode. That was a good like convo. Um, yeah. We didn't know how to because I didn't we didn't really know like how to like structure this just because. It's just kind of like a conversation mm -hmm. about two guys. On the other side, yeah. I mean, they. I love that they always kind of remain like really good friends. He's also one of the people, like the few people that like Miles Davis never talks shit on. Mm. <laughs> like, if you really think about it, like Miles Davis like talks shit on literally everybody, like even people that were like his friends. Mm. Uh, and I couldn't see. I didn't see a single like never... negative quote on Bill. He always just said that Bill play he was the best best piano player that he knew he's like that's yeah. the reason why he was on these records is because i didn't know anybody who do it he, he played it like the instrument like it should have been played like you said so shout outs to bill shout outs to miles so um maybe instead of like ending on like a ridiculous song like we normally do mm -hmm. um we 
Um, we could just end on this little this little interview from Bill Evans. It's like a minute. I think it's from probably the the late fifties, early sixties. It's just a little beautiful little. I can remember having um, coming to New York to make or break, you know, yeah. in jazz, and uh, and saying to myself, now how should I attack this practical problem of becoming a uh, a jazz musician as a, a making a living and so on and. Right. And I said, well, ultimately, I came to the conclusion that all I must do is take care of the music, even if I do it in a closet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I really do that, somebody's going to come and open the door of the closet and say, hey, we're looking for you, you know? Yeah. And this is the way I really uh, approached the whole thing. Really, I, I felt that otherwise, see, if, you, if I spread myself all over the place, I would have lost sight of everything. It's like you say... Uh, isn't it terrible that there's a war here and uh, yeah. starvation there and poverty here? Now, what am I going to do as a human being about this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Well, gosh, if you try to accept every problem, you're just going to go insane. Yeah. So you have to choose some field in which you uh, operate at your best capacity and which will then serve as an influence yeah. to uh, deter all these other things that, yeah. you know, that you're worrying about. So I figure, like, if I take care of the music as best I can with my truest beliefs, right. then all these other things will be affected as I desire them to be affected, as much as I can affect them. Yay. That's nice. Okay, remember I said we weren't going to play any music? Yeah. I lied. <laughs> all I see is the end result, rather than yes. <laughs> Come on. Of course we had to. <laughs> I was like, what is she going to play? <laughs> Yes. Hey. Badu, 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 badu. Hey, email us at contextofsound at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Rate, subscribe. Yeah, do all that. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Later.